0: This fucking guy. Hello, my malted milk balls. Welcome once again to that magical place where we will all gather to drink and lament and talk about
1: this fucking guy. <laughs> this is that podcast where we use a lot of expletives and a lot of alcohol mm-hmm. to emotionally process the creeps, jerks, and fuckos that compose (laughs) that compose the shitty elevator music of our lives i'm the mysterious sounds from your attic ren martinez and i'm the monster
0: hiding under your bed ginger Gollub. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I love a malted milk ball. I you
0: know love they're delicious. Nobody else likes them. I like a chocolate malt
1: is an underrated thing. It's, it's like super good. It's a Whopper in a cup. I appreciate I appreciate Whoppers more than the traditional chocolate malt just because malt can be a lot. So I it like, can also get like soft and chewy. And yeah. I so, so I like I that. like a few Whoppers. It's like delicious, but like a whole malt. I'm like this is a lot of it. I I'll down it all. I want an apéritif okay. of chocolate malt.
0: And we are joined today in the studio by our special guest, Beans, my dog, who will not leave. Beans! Come here, Beans! Beans! Come Beans. here! No. like, no, my no. nails shall click all over the floor. Yep, so that's just gonna be a sonic experience you have to live <laughs> with until I decide that's too much and take him downstairs. But, Ren, do you have anything to scream into
1: the void? I do. Uh, this is an article that I ran into di- into today. That's, um... It just makes me think of why maybe climate change is a good idea. Oh, God. Um, this is the headline. Woman arrested after allegedly harassing toddler with severe genetic disorder. As in she was threatening that she was going to give him a rare genetic no, disorder? No, no, the, the toddler already has a genetic disorder. Okay. There should so, be some punctuation somewhere, but I don't know where. Well, no, it's a headline. They don't use punctuation. It's sort of the brand. Um, so this, this this woman has a two-year-old named Anna. She suffers from harlequin theosis, I think is how it's pronounced. Yeah. It's a genetic disorder that affects the skin. Apparently, children with this condition are born with very hard, thick covering. Like, mm-hmm. skin, skin covering covers most of their bodies, and it creates, like, these diamond-shaped plates that have, like, fissures. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, it's, it's fatal at some point, because apparently the, yeah. these, like, hard plates, like, restrict your lungs, and, like, yeah. you eventually die. But this two-year-old's gotten two, which is very good. Good girl. And the two-year-old's mom created a GoFundMe and, like, had a Facebook group essentially trying to bring awareness about her daughter's condition and to be like, yeah, this is my daughter and, like, this is what she's going through, but, like, we love her and all this stuff. And this random-ass lady started sending them, like, death threats. Like, talking Why? Like, right. Like, said, like, harassing her, even sending letters to the woman's home, like, getting their address and, like, sent a bunch of threatening messages on, like, Facebook, Instagram, and GoFundMe. About this two-year-old with a terminal condition. She did get arrested, so that was good. But I'm just like, I don't know why people do that. Why is a person thinking, like, you know it would be a great way to start my week? Harassing a Mm two-year-old online. Take us all, Mother Gaia.
0: (laughs) Drown us in the sea.
1: So, that's the thing that pissed me off this morning. (laughs) So, is that a good scream? Did I scream well enough? I, I mean...
0: We're gonna have to start considering doing something upbeat at the
1: beginning, so it's not like... Hey, we we end with self-care tips, so, like, that's upbeat.
0: I guess.
1: We'll start with a long, a long scream about random-ass assholes that we're not gonna get into. I'm not gonna get into this lady. I don't need to know this lady's life. She's just a shithead who made... Who harassed a two-year-old online. Did... Did... Cool lady. Cool lady. Yeah.
0: So, that being said, are you ready to hear about this dead asshole? I am ready to hear about this dead asshole. Well, Ren, I've got another
1: Nobel Prize winner for you. Oh, God. Those don't end well. This one doesn't fuck children. Great! You're continuing on this new, this new uncharted place of no child fucking. Whatsoever. It was an accident. I actually told you a couple
0: episodes ago that I was going to cover this person at some point, and now I've gotten around to it. I didn't know they won a Nobel Prize, but they did. Oh, for I don't, better or worse, I really
1: don't know who this person is. So. Thomas
0: Woodrow Wilson. Oh. <laughs> Oh, yay. <laughs> was born to a scotch-irish family in stanton virginia it's stanton all you other podcasts stop saying Staunton. It's it's stanton it's not it's stanton uh in stanton virginia on december 28th 1856 to joseph i'm gonna guess it's ruggles r-u-g-g-l-e-s what an adorable dog! What an adorable Hello, dog! Ruggles. Joseph Stop Ruggles. sitting here by the fire? <laughs> Joseph Ruggles Wilson, an extremely Presbyterian minister, <laughs> and Jesse Janet Woodrow. He was young when the Civil War happened, but that doesn't mean his family didn't own slaves. Oh yay. yeah. Wilson's paternal grandparents had immigrated to the United States from Ireland. And interestingly, his grandfather, James Wilson, published a pro-tariff and anti-slavery newspaper. Let the hypocrisy commence! Well, you know, his... His
1: grandparents sound cool shit.
0: Yeah, I think he was, like, the only uh, U.S. president in a very long time. Couldn't tell you exactly how long, but who had all four grandparents be immigrants. And one of his parents, one of his parents as well. Both of Wilson's parents supported the Confederacy during the American Uh, Civil War. why not? And the family had moved to It's about
1: heritage, not hate, Genji. Heritage, not
0: hate. The family had moved to Georgia before the Civil War began, so that tracks. uh, Wilson's father continued to be extremely Presbyterian and also became a theological (laughs) professor. The way that I abbreviate this (laughs) as I'm writing it... Extremely
1: um, Presbyterian. He was
0: extremely Presbyterian. More than the average Presbyterian. He became a theological professor. All of that is like a whole thing... I don't care. Okay. So I'm not getting into it. Do you
1: care, Beans?
0: No. Beans Beans. beans no care. Beans no care. Uh, Wilson attended Davidson College and then transferred to the College of New Jersey, which is now known as Princeton University. Mm -hmm. A Mm -hmm. Princeton man, uh, where he studied political philosophy and history. At Princeton, Wilson organized the Liberal Debating Society and threw his support behind democratic politics.
1: Well... He sounds fun.
0: I feel the need to remind y'all that this was, like, shortly post-Civil War. Yeah, we haven't done the Southern Switch yet. Yeah, when the Democrats were still the party of slavery, so keep that in your back pocket.
1: Yeah, no, the, the Southern Switch was a thing that happened. Yes. It has not happened yet. Nope, not in uh, this
0: story today. Also, I have no idea when he started going by Woodrow, because the articles that I read were like, his parents called him Tommy. And I don't know where Thomas he went to. He willingly
1: went by Woodrow when I he could guess. have been Thomas? Yep. Okay.
0: That's this a- sounds like
1: a guy who would make up an own, his own date in debating society.
0: Yeah. And after graduating from Princeton in 1879, Wilson attended the University of Virginia Law School, where he was involved in the Virginia Glee Club, which absolutely delights me. That's all the information I have on that.
1: Don't stop believing. Hold on to that feeling. Yeah, he he played the Leah Michelle role. Oh, yeah, I bet. Mm-hmm. He's a teenage ingenue. Uh...
0: But he had poor health, which is just kind of universally referred to as, like, you know, poor health. Oh, he had poor
1: health. Yes. What? Can I just say, like, in this time period of anything before the polio vaccine, was anyone in good health? I mean, I guess I guess there's, like, variations of just dying worse. Yeah. I mean, his parents
0: certainly were not in good health. Uh, his father, like, had several strokes and a hardening
1: of the arteries and... His mother is never mentioned again in anything I've read. I mean, again, like, any sort of condition that happened, we're like, well, throw cocaine at it and tell yeah. me if the ghosts come out yet. <laughs> like, no one was in good health. They are all, like, shitting in the streets. Right. <laughs> like, and not Gone to see it.
0: the apothecary. <laughs> but, yeah, because he was sort of... Vaguely sickly in ways that Wikipedia fails to describe to me. He withdrew from UVA but kept studying law while he was living, uh, presumably in his parents' basement. It's very Dickensian. Yes, like
1: oh, I was a, I was a, a, a boy of ill humor, of ill health. He was, but way... I was clever and bright and studied from my bedside. He was way too rich to be Dickensian. Please, sir. <laughs> May I have Please, sir, lawyer? may I go to Princeton? <laughs> I don't know what accent that was.
0: Transatlantic. <laughs> so, like, just studying at his parents' house, he somehow managed to pass the bar and tried to start his own process, but turns out that he fucking hated being a lawyer. So he packed his bags and moved away to pursue the study of political sciences and history.
1: Hmm. Immediately, I know a lot of lawyers. Yeah. um, None of them have advised it. None of, actually, for all that, that some of my, the the lawyers we know are like, I like my job. When anyone mentions, hey, I've thought about going to law school, they immediately like, don't do it. It's a mistake. Sweet summer child, you must. Do not. So, you know, I don't know if that's really advocating
0: for the profession. Yeah, not so much. In 1883... Wilson proposed to Ellen Louise Axton, the daughter of yet another Presbyterian minister. Oh. Everyone in the story is a Presbyterian minister. Is it I assume everyone in the story is a Presbyterian minister. She accepted, but they I'm quoting from Wikipedia here. She accepted, but they agreed to postpone marriage while Wilson attended graduate school. Now what Wikipedia does not mention is that she was the one who wanted to delay the wedding so she could go to art school, which is baller as hell. Good for her. Yes, Queen. Live it up. After graduation, she pursued portrait art and received a medal for one of her works from the Paris International Exposition. Dude, that's badass as hell. And then she happily agreed to sacrifice her further independent artistic pursuits in order to keep her marriage commitment. <laughs> And in 1885, she and Wilson married. She strongly supported his career and learned German so that she could help translate works of political science that were relevant to Wilson's research. And I think this was supposed to be romantic, but it really fucking bums me out, so let's move on.
1: <sighs> As a slight segue, I had a moment this week. I guess I could have screamed this into the void, mm-hmm. but I had a moment this week. My mother in law sent us a card for me and my husband's first anniversary. How sweet. It was lovely. And it was addressed to, I'm going to pick a name here, uh, Mr. and Mrs. John Smith. Not only did I not take my husband's last name at all <laughs> whatsoever, but I don't even get a first name anymore, no. apparently, and I was very upset about it, and my husband was like, okay, <laughs> I'll i will talk to her, I guess. And I'm like, don't you understand? Your identity's not erased. <laughs> He he totally knows who he's married, so he's not like upset about it. But still, no. it was a it was it was a moment, and uh, I understand I understand the screaming. Woodrow Wilson received his PhD from Johns
0: Hopkins in eighteen eighty six. Back when the college was brand new, he then became a professor at Bryn Mawr College, and then Wesleyan University, and then he got a very cushy job at Princeton, and he eventually became president of university. He raised a lot of money for the school. He appointed the first Jew and the first Roman Catholic to the faculty. That is the wording of Wikipedia, not of me. Okay. And he, quote, helped liberate the board from domination by conservative Presbyterians. Everyone's a Presbyterian, surprise.
1: (laughs) I mean, that's pretty progressive, considering at the time, like... Yeah, no, Homeboy is, like, very... In this time
0: period... It's very confusing, because, like, this is a guy with a complex legacy, because for all of the dumb racist shit that he said and did, he also did some really cool stuff, and there is this, like, there's this niche of racism where one person decides, like, I'm okay with everybody, except except, uh, a particular group, and I feel like that shows just, like, this
1: hey man legacies can be complex not everyone can be ken cuccinelli and are just horrible the whole time yep
0: (laughs) god if only (laughs) this one has various complexities beans has just realized what he's gotten himself into so he's cowering in a corner come here baby come here yeah he
1: also worked to help keep african americans out of the school Yep, we can allow the Roman Catholics, but we can't allow those black people nope. in. No. Unless they're Catholic?
0: No, not even. No. Uh, even as other Ivy League schools were accepting small numbers of black students. So, if you couldn't tell, he's a racist piece of shit.
1: Woo! He uh, is a racist piece of shit. Casey. Isn't he, Beans? Beans is a like yes. Oh, such beans. Yes. Racism has holds no place in my doggo heart. No.
0: Case in point, his multi-volume History of the United States, published in 1900, he argued that Reconstruction was an externally and artificially imposed break in the natural state of black servility.
1: Ooh, my eyes are rolling back so far, I can feel it in my face. There's courteous. gonna be some
0: quotes in this that really make me hate myself for having said them aloud, but I feel like they are really illustrative. Um, So, like, you know, content warning for racism at this point. If you gotta bail, you gotta bail. I understand. mm -hmm. Um, Like, share, and subscribe. (laughs) The slave population, he insisted, had always imposed an enormous responsibility on their white masters. Quote, the care of the slaves, their maintenance like a huge family of shiftless children, remained a duty and a burden which the master could
1: not escape. You know what? You can't escape it. You give them freedom and send them off to have jobs of their own. The whole time I was reading that, Ren's face
0: was sort of like after someone sees the bad guy in the ring and
1: she just <laughs> get, like, frozen in this, like, horrifying... Yeah, she, like... Just, she just found me in the closet just, like, completely deformed with disgust. Ew. So Wilson's the a- maintenance, the, the ma- 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 as if they're cars. God, oh, um, but you know, it's just, it's just the poor, the poor, poor white people owning other people and having to feed them. I mean, imagine the responsibility. What a burden! What a burden! <sighs> oh,
0: fuck all those people. Wilson's efforts to re- reform Princeton earned him notoriety, but they also took a toll on his health. Thank God. <laughs> He's not getting through this unscathed. Like for all of it, like the racism, ca- like you can see the racism catch up to him incrementally, and it's just like another eye will stop working. <laughs> um, like the Stephen Miller effect, where the hair is yeah, just pretty like escaping. Much. <laughs> it, in 1906, Wilson went blind in the left eye, which the result was the result of either a blood clot or more likely a stroke because, or racism. Yeah. <laughs> because he apparently had some personality changes after this and became kind of an asshole. Based on the earlier quote,
1: <laughs> I would argue that ship done sailed. That ship done sailed. He was an asshole. Can you imagine? He was an asshole before. Imagine. But then after Ghoul. Well, you'll get
0: to see. Later that year, while vacationing in Bermuda in 1906, he met and began an affair with a socialite, Mary Hulbert Peck. Like, Okay, so it's not totally confirmed that he had an affair with her because there was no sex tapes in 1906 because there would just be an insurmountable amount of equipment to be able to do that. But, like, let's be honest, he, he was fucking her. her. He
1: was fucking her. Uh, after his wife gave up her very at, prestigious and lucrative his art career. After poor,
0: miserable wife gave up a promising art career and learned German for you, fucker. Uh-oh. She learned German to read political treatises. In 1910, Wilson quit Princeton to run for and win the governorship in New Jersey. I do wonder if this had anything to do with his opponent being named
1: Vivian. Oh, was a gentleman named Vivian Lewis. Vivian used to be, and that's like Ashley used to be a male name. Yeah, a bunch of boys named Ashley. It's not a bad thing men's name it's just that you're so unused to hearing it hey viv (laughs) come down with the boys play some play some cards play some cards uh new jersey was beans needs to get down hold on yeah beans is having a moment and i am covered in hair you did this to yourself i did i was trying to get him to not click on the floor you can see out of both eyes because you're not racist beans that is true
0: (laughs) New Jersey was unbelievably corrupt at that point. Uh, like, I feel like there's still a lot of specula- speculation about, like, the mob and ongoing corruption and Chris Christie closing bridges to piss off his political opponents. Mm-hmm. But, like, apparently it used to be worse. That tracks. I guess. In another frustrating show of this guy wasn't always an asshole, but I guess legacies are complex. Wilson was able to get some laws through that mitigated corruption, as well as promoting better labor laws, improving factory conditions, and introducing things like workman's compensation. Wikipedia has also led me to believe that he established special education in New Jersey, which is wild. But I I have no idea, like, to what degree this was the case, and I am not here to sing his praises. Beans. Okay, I'm gonna take him downstairs.
1: Okay, you done? You did this to yourself.
0: Literally two years after becoming governor, he ran for president,
1: which I guess you can do that? It seems awfully premature. I was going to say something that might piss off people, so I'm not going to say it. <laughs> and I'm just going to say, you know, it could be considered very soon for some people who have really barely taken control of any sort of executive power and it's really done very little in the terms of their political like, career at this point to think that they could run an entire fucking country. But, you know, that's that's Ooh. Ooh. related to nothing in particular. Yeah. <laughs> During the 1912
0: campaign, uh, Woodrow Wilson promised black Americans absolute fair dealing and won the public endorsement of W.E.B. Du Bois. I always
1: hear it as Du Bois. If it's Du Bois, I'm sorry. I du don't Bois. trust this man. No. I don't trust this man with but why? Fair dealings for black people. Why? Because the master's responsibility to his slaves. Wilson ran
0: against uh, William Howard Taft, but this was also the election where Teddy Roosevelt ran for the Bull Moose Party. Right. Uh, and he fucked it. Yeah, and Eugene Debs uh, ran for the Socialist Party, and it was just a whole fun time. I'm very sorry if there's a faint dog barking in the background. Beans is unhappy. And I think it would be premature for me to put
1: him down. <laughs> Bean still has so much to give the world. He has so much love
0: to give and nothing else. <laughs> Uh, Teddy Roosevelt was kind of Wilson's rival for a long time, but uh, they're giving me major will-they-won't-they vibes. Wilson Mm. and Roosevelt, just sort of like, almost the
1: same policy, but they can't get along. Like a bunch of Hamilton fan fiction that's like really into Hamilton and Burke? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh. The room where it happens. The room (laughs) where it happens. No one else was in the room. where it happens. Wilson won,
0: of course, and his victory made him the first Southerner to win a presidential election since the Civil War, the first Democratic president since Grover Cleveland, and, I mean, I don't know how long before that that was. I think it was like 20 years. It wasn't like that long. Uh, and the first president to hold a PhD.
1: Oh, okay. I mean, kudo.
0: Yeah. The yeah. one the one kudo. I mean, there's, there's some kudos throughout, and then there's some that aren't. Mm-hmm. As President Wilson continued to champion fair labor practices and antitrust laws. He also loosened the U.S.'s grip on some of its colonies, including the Philippines and Puerto Rico, and granted Puerto Ricans
1: U.S. citizenship. You're welcome. Well, thanks. My family thanks you a lot for that, Woody. We really appreciate it. (laughs) Thanks. So, he actually
0: did a lot of good stuff and had many opinions that weren't garbage. Again, I'm not here to sing his praises, but I think it's important to show... How you can't paint someone like Wilson as 100% a dickbag, and sometimes dickbags do good things, and that
1: feels icky, but what can you do? Sometimes dicks do good things.
0: (laughs) The bisexual (laughs) lady rallying cry. (laughs) Oh, goodness. So, unfortunately, we've got to get back to racism now. I mean, why not? So, the big, like, primary racist legacy that Woodrow Wilson left is that he resegregated some federal departments that were that became integrated following the civil war right yeah i got most of my information from here from a great vox article that we have linked on our website at an april 11th 1913 cabinet meeting postmaster general albert burleson argued for segregating the railway mail service he took exception to the fact that workers shared glasses towels In washrooms. Wilson offered no objection to Burleson's plan for segregation, saying he wished for the matter adjusted in a way to make the least friction. The least friction. The least friction. Go
1: along to get along. It's amazing how the least friction is always let the racists win. It really is. Mm. The Department
0: of the Treasury and Post offices uh, both introduced screened off workspaces, separate lunch rooms, and separate bathrooms. In a 1913 open letter to Woodrow Wilson, Du Bois, who again had supported Woodrow Wilson in the 1912 election before immediately going, Oh God, what did I do? Oh God, oh God, oh God. Oh God. Wrote of, quote, one colored clerk who could not actually be segregated on account of the nature of his work and who consequently had a cage built around him to separate him from his white companions for many years.
1: My face is melting. It's like that scene in the Ark of the Covenant where the ark's open and my face is melting. He had a cage built around him? A cage? Hmm. How come they didn't put the cage over the white people? Because clearly these white people can't fucking do their job.
0: Beans is angry about it, too. Beans is angry about it. I am going to take that thing outside, and we are going to pause this for a minute. I'm sorry. This is so difficult.
1: Beans is just very upset about the racism. He's very upset. Very upset.
0: Lest you think that his racism was entirely passive, upon taking office, Wilson himself fired 15 out of 17 black supervisors in federal service and replaced them with white people. In 1914... This is the one that's going to make you the angriest, Cool, 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 cool. In 1914, a group of black professionals led by newspaper editor Monroe Trotter met with Wilson to protest the segregation. Wilson informed Trotter, quote, Segregation is not humiliating, but a benefit, and ought to be so regarded by you gentlemen. When Trotter insisted that, quote, it is untenable in view of the established facts to maintain that the segregation is simply to, invo- to avoid race friction for the simple reason that for 50 years, white and colored clerks have been working together in peace, in harmony and friendliness. Wilson admonished him for his tone, quote, "'If this organization is ever to have another hearing before me, it must have another spokesman. Your manner offends me. Your tone with its background of passion.
1: Oh, yay, tone policing is not new. Tone policing! New.
0: It's not a new thing. Cool. And, of course, as we have mentioned previously on our D.W. Griffith episode, you, which you can find on thisfnguypod.com on our website. You're uh, so good at this. i so I mean, we,
1: no one would listen to us if
0: <laughs> there wasn't for both <laughs> Uh, During Wilson's presidency, D.W. Griffith's film *Birth of a Nation* uh, was the first motion picture to be screened in the White House in 1915. Because it turns out it was because Woodrow Wilson was friends with the author of the book that the movie was based on. He buddies with that guy. Now you're going to see some articles uh, and a lot of stuff that says that (laughs) Woodrow Wilson. Uh, said of Birth of a Nation, it will write history with lightning. There's also a bunch of stuff that says he absolutely did not say that and denounced the movie. And then there's more stuff that said, no, you're wrong, he did say that, but then he also denounced the movie. So I don't fucking know.
1: Um, he seems like a dude who would definitely have loved that movie, but then, like, would have, at some point, read the way the wind was blowing and gone, no, no, I, no, I, no, it's... No. Yeah, that,
0: that's kind of... Don't, don't look at the man behind the curtain. <laughs> that's kind of him sometimes. So on that note, South America! Oh, no.
1: <laughs> no.
0: Wilson frequently intervened in Latin American affairs, saying in 19, quote, I am going to teach the South American republics to elect good men.
1: I'm going to die by cider bottle. This Mm -hmm. bold rock cider will somehow be impaled in my eye so I can escape this.
0: Uh, And he basically sent troops to occupy Nicaragua, Panama, Haiti, the Dominican Republic, parts of Mexico, and Honduras. I'm oversimplifying all of this. But basically, he really wanted to impose democracy, whether or not anyone who lived there was interested in it, and tried to force the people he thought would be best into power, which sometimes was like, you've overthrown your leader, and there's someone new in power. I don't know that I like them. So overthrow your leader again.
1: Yeah, no, there's like a there's a lovely American history of like seeing democratically elected leaders in South and Central America and then being like, Oh, since we're democratically elected, we're gonna be doing new things including not giving you all of our natural resources for free and then the US going oh, no. well fuck that. <laughs> so right. cool.
0: Uh, and again, I realize this is a gross oversimplification, but there's only so many hours in the day. Yeah. Once World War I started, though, Wilson had to reshift his focus to Europe. Until- so We're
1: fucking up. And we're just fucking up.
0: Yep. <laughs> and it wasn't exclusively in Europe, but, like, that made a better transition. Uh, until early 1917 Wilson's primary foreign and policy objective was to keep the United States out of World War I and to broker a peace agreement because he always assumed he was the only adult in the room in 1915 Germany started blowing up American ships or like non-American ships that had Americans on it like the Lusitania to which Wilson responded with don't make me turn this car around (laughs)
1: Your father will
0: be very upset. Your father will be be so upset. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, Wilson's first wife, the long suffering poor Ellen, Ellen, died of kidney disease in August 1914. He was reportedly absolutely heartbroken and devastated and waited a whole seven months. To start wooing wife number two, which is an extremely short amount of time it's if you're if you remember short that he's like actively being the president and trying to puppeteer most of the government hey in Central the, America, dude. The dick wants what the dick wants. And playing hot potato with World War One in Europe, dude. We already know that he's like super into like fucking ladies. Yeah, I mean at least at least two of them. That we know of. That we know of. So, yeah, wife number two, Edith Bowling Galt. Edith was also a widow and a pretty independent business lady. She had inherited her late husband's jewelry store and was running that. So she was pretty much, like, the most liberated
1: you could be Uh in roughly 1914. I mean, that sounds excellent, but... Why do I have a feeling this will go badly?
0: This is got not going to go great for her. Or, yeah. I mean, it will, depending on what side of history you're on, whatever. So he asked her to marry him, like, you know, two months after they met, which was, like, eight months after his wife died-ish. Uh, and because she was smart, she said no. Good for her. But because you know romantic norms were what they were in 1915, he did wear her down, and she married him in December 1915. Fun fact: I guess Wilson was only one of only three presidents to get married while in office.
1: Okay, I feel like most of them are married have been married prior to office. Yeah, but most cause... of them
0: have, and then Buchanan
1: was the only one that like wasn't married at all. Buchanan shit his brains out during his inauguration. Listen to the, co- the podcast Sawbones about it. It's pretty interesting. I, well, I know what I'm doing tonight, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think most of them were married, but that's because we have, all of our presidents have been, like, old, old men who are way past the marrying age. And, like, they have to be married to get into
0: office because it proves that they're not gay, I guess. That, too. Yeah. It's weird and problematic. In a very tasty show of irony... Wilson campaigned for a second term on the slogan, he kept us out of the war. (laughs) (laughs) He won re-election, but would not continue keeping us out of the war. Nope. Germany kept bombing U.S. ships and tried to get Mexico to join them in the war against the U.S., so Wilson finally said fine and declared war, which means that he actually got Congress to declare war because he can't, no matter what George Bush tells you. Um, (laughs) He reestablished the draft, but made it local draft boards problem so he wouldn't have to deal with riots. Uh, He also made sure that the troops were segregated. Cool. I don't know why that would surprise you. It doesn't, but, you know. Cool. And jumping back half a step, uh, when he was running for re-election, he tried to win votes by saying that he would support suffrage, which he had previously said, I'm gonna leave it up to the states. Um, Like, you know. Like you do. Every president before second term Obama with gay marriage. Right. Yeah. By the time of his actual second inauguration, he was starting to go, well, I'm not sure about that thing I said. Uh, mm. So people started like protesting in Washington, D.C., and pro suffrage demonstrators were arrested, denied counsel, held in solitary confinement, and even force fed. Eventually, the situation turned into a public relations catastrophe for the administration, and the charges were all thrown out. Early in 1918, President Wilson finally endorsed the Susan B. Anthony Amendment. Cool.
1: Yay! Cool. I mean, at this time period, really, even with the suffragettes, it was when they were clamoring for the right to vote, they were like, well, don't you want to give white women the right to vote? You don't want to give black people the right to vote. Yeah, early turfs. <laughs> um, wouldn't you want to give white women the right to vote first? Ugh. Which you know, that's not the hat. That Come I on, want first to be wave wearing. feminism.
0: But um, you're better than this, except for I guess you're not. Yeah. Uh, to shape public opinion, Wilson established the first modern propaganda office the Committee on Public Information, and to suppress anti-British, pro-German, or anti-war statements, Wilson pushed through Congress the Espionage Act of 1917 and the Sedition Act of 1918. So, the Espionage Act, at least I sort of understand on broad principle, because it's basically like, hey, don't share state secrets, and that seems kind of fair. Yeah, sure. The I'll Sedition space. Act which is technically a set of amendments to the Espionage Act, is whack as hell. (laughs) It forbade the use of, quote, "...disloyal, profane, scurrilous, or abusive behavior about the United States government, its flag, or the armed forces that caused others to view the American government or its institutions with contempt." Those convicted under the act generally receive sentences of imprisonment for five to twenty years. Cool, 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 cool. All right, all right, all right. First Amendment is just a joke. It got (laughs) repealed in nineteen twenty. If that helps, um, but the Espionage Act is still here, and that's what they're using, or gonna Mm. use, or whatever tense is appropriate for that to prosecute Snowden. Yep. Cool, 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 cool. All right, all right, all right. Anarchist, communist, union members, and other anti-war groups attending to sabotage the war effort were targeted by the Department of Justice. Many of their leaders were arrested for incitement to violence. Eugene Depps, who ran against Wilson on the socialist ticket in 1912, was among the most prominent individuals jailed for sedition.
1: Oh, hmm, it's almost as if you can, like, Imprison your political opponents when they criticize you. Oh, that's fashy. That's so, a little fashy. So, in response to concerns over
0: civil liberties, the American Civil Liberties Union, a private organization devoted to the defense of free speech, was founded in 1917. Woo-hoo! I know we have previously talked some shit like with the you know, if the Southern Poverty Law Center has to say something about you, it's bad. If the ACLU has to be created because of you. You done
1: bad. You done so bad. You done real bad there. Woodrow no. Tommy no. <laughs> isn't this I'm sorry, to kind of to kinda of sidetrack, isn't this sort of the era with like the jailing? I might be too soon. But like with the jailing of the anarchists and things like that, that there was a big Supreme Court case where one of these anarchists essentially was like, "You're um, impeding my right to free speech. I'm allowed to distribute these materials," and the Supreme Court ruled that spreading this socialist and anarchist like pamphlets is the same as shouting fire in a crowded theater. That's where that phrase comes from. Yeah. Uh, The idea of, like, socialist and and anarchist uh, pamphlets cannot be distributed. And that was considered an okay reason to impede free speech. But later, I think within the next decade or so... The Ku Klux Klan. I don't know if you heard about that. That was in the '80s, honey. No, no, was uh, burning crosses on lawns. Oh, maybe this was. Yeah, no, in the they 80s. were burning crosses on lawns. Sounds like them. And the the local government said you can't do that, and the Ku Klux Klan said no, but that's my right to free speech. And that went up to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said that that is speech protected by the Constitution, because that's not an incitement to violence. Yeah,
0: and I know know that, like, the two people who are, you know, interfacing with us on the social meds uh, may be like, but Red and Ginger, like, sometimes the ACLU has been on the side of the claim when it comes to free speech stuff, to which I go... Yeah, but that's not what we're talking about right now. It's not what we're talking, about.
1: What we're talking about right now. But well, that's like, part of this whole, like, with the Sedition Act or whatever the heck, is like, again, what's considered incitement to violence is not Klansmen burning crosses on lawns to let you know that they're going to lynch you. It's like anarchists saying, like, hey, you know this government sucks.
0: Can I be the neediest friend in the world? Yes. I am dizzy because I drank three ciders. Will you let beans, beans back indoors? Yes. Okay. Thank you. I don't know why when I'm drinking, I kind of always go straight to, I want to be asleep.
1: It depends on what I'm drinking.
0: Maybe I need to drink tequila so I'll stay awake. On January 8th, 1918, Wilson delivered a speech known as the 14 points wherein he articulated his administration's long-term war objectives. All you need to know about this is League of Nations. There's other stuff you can study about it. I don't care. Fair, I don't care either. I (laughs) don't care. But by the end of September 1918, the German leadership no longer believed it could win the war and sought an armistice with Woodrow Wilson with the 14 points to serve as the basis of the German surrender. So, by the end of this war, 116,000 American soldiers had died and another 200,000 had been wounded. Hmm. Great look. Great.
1: Great.
0: I mean, like, I I didn't want the Germans
1: to just keep blowing up our ships, but also... Well, again, there's also, like, trench warfare, which is the shittiest warfare. Even shittier than walking in lines at each other. Also, listen to an interesting Behind the Bastards episode, because they talk about the man who invented mustard gas. Um, oh, that Psycho? Yeah. So, uh, apparently, again this is not our podcast, the German Empire only had like six months worth of bullets. And this guy not only helped them create bullets so they could keep shooting at people, but also was like, hey, try this handy dandy mustard gas and chlorine gas. Cool. So let's keep this war going on way longer and let people be horribly murdered and maimed and for literally fucking no reason.
0: So maybe this will make this make more sense. After the signing of the armistice, Woodrow Wilson traveled to Europe to lead the American delegation to the Paris Peace Conference, thereby becoming the first U.S. president to travel to Europe while in office. The legislature, uh, mostly the Republicans, were pretty pissed off that he uh, that they weren't more involved in the peace process. And it didn't help that say, for a two week return to the United States, Wilson remained in Europe for six months. Six months
1: as president? As president. Just chilling out in Europe for like, oh, I just need to see the Alps, you know. It's on my to-do list. I mean. It's on my bucket list. Some to total to probably about the same time that Trump spent golfing, but I'm not
0: here for that. <laughs> I'm here to talk about. you we went
1: on a lot of golf trips. It's fine.
0: The fact that unlike other allied leaders, Wilson did not seek territorial gains or material concessions from the Central Powers, which means Germany and the other guys. His chief goal was the establishment of the League of Nations, 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 League of Nations. League of Nations, league of Nations. Mm-hmm. And Wilson himself presided over the, com- the committee that drafted the covenant of the League of
1: Nations. He was really into this league, this league of nations,
0: League of Extraordinary Nations.
1: <laughs> uh, Japan. Ten thousand leagues of under nations.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Japan proposed that the con- that the conference endorse a racial equality clause, which Wilson was like, eh. "No thanks." He was like, "Eh," but Australia and Britain were like, "Nah, bro," and so he was like, "I hear it's a bad idea." And he shot it down, even though like it had the votes to pass. But he was like, no, it has to be unanimous to be able to pass. And everybody was like, that's not a thing. The Covenant of the League of Nations was incorporated into the conference's Treaty of Versailles, which ended the war with Germany. Right. I had to remember what the Treaty of Versailles was for this.
1: I remembered that there was a treaty, and it was in Versailles. I've been to Versailles. It's a lovely place. Mm-hmm. No wonder they guillotined all of them. <laughs> It's like you walk in, and you're like, I get it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like most of what I know about Versailles is treaties and mirrors. There's a lot of mirrors. So I understand. A lot of gilding. A lot of gilding gilding mirrors. It's kind of disheartening to think about what Woodrow Wilson conceded to try to get his League of Nations, um, in addition to, like, racial equality... Germany was required to pay war reparations and subjected to military occupation and a clause in the treaty specifically naming Germany as responsible for the war, which, like... I bet that
1: led to no bad feelings I bet that led to no World War IIs. No, there's there's a... It's a world war. There's only one of them. The war to end all wars. Meaning... That's why they call it that. That's why they call it that. Because there's no more wars after. Yes. Fuck Foresight. And we're not going to set up any specific things that would possibly endeavor itself to create war in the future.
0: Wilson also agreed to allow uh, the European powers in Japan to establish de facto colonies in the Middle
1: East, Africa, and Asia. Again, nothing would ever Nothing's need- <laughs> ever
0: gone wrong with this.
1: I'm glad that it's like, hey guys, we need to stop warring with each other. Also, more colonies... More colonies makes us better. Have we thought about more colonies? Oh, God.
0: Uh. Germany, despite not really wanting to, signed the treaty on June 28th, 1919. And for his peacemaking efforts, Wilson was awarded the 1919
1: Nobel Peace Prize. He did such a great job with peacemaking and making sure that peace didn't involve racial equity. (laughs) (laughs) Good job, Woody. You done great. In another
0: spectacular show of irony, Wilson couldn't get the League of Nations passed in the U.S. Or, like, the treaty that involved the League of Nations. There's, like, no way for me to talk about this with it making any sense. Like, I read it. I reread it. My brain is not programmed for this specific thing. I've hit my head a lot, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Blame the TBI. That's what I do. (laughs) Not recently, but still. Uh, so he tried to campaign for support around the country, but he had to return to the White House in late September due to health problems. And on October 2nd, 1919, Wilson suffered a serious stroke, leaving him paralyzed on his left side with only partial vision in the right eye, which I guess he had gotten back since the last one. I was about to say
1: is he like any any other people again i'm not at all referencing any current events of any kind that just start bleeding from the eyes just start bleeding from the eyes i don't know maybe that's a totally normal thing that happens right
0: he was confined to bed for (laughs) weeks and sequestered from everyone except his wife and his doctor. So a neurosurgeon who, like, take this with a grain of salt because they examined his medical records after his death. They didn't examine him directly. Always take that with a grain of salt. Mm -hmm. Um, Writes that Wilson's illness affected his personality in various ways, making him prone to, quote, disorders of emotion, impaired impulse control, and defective judgment. Great presidential skills, guys.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, so he gets really sick, and admittedly, he has a pretty terrible medical condition, and they're like, all this, all this tracks, you can still be president. Yeah. You can still be president. You have defective thinking, and you're throwing all of like i don't know james madison's china everywhere but like well i still make decisions his
0: wife and his doctors like managed to keep this a secret for at least a while he they just restricted access to him they determined what documents he read and who was allowed to communicate with him some people have called edith wilson the first female president of the united states
1: because hashtag feminism hashtag feminism feminism
0: Uh, In November 1919, the Republicans formed a coalition with pro-treaty of Versailles League of Nations Democrats to pass a treaty for the League of Nations with like some reservations, with like some addendums. But the seriously indisposed Wilson rejected this compromise, and enough Democrats followed his lead to defeat the, radica- the ratification. Wasn't
1: that his whole thing? Yes. He
0: spent his, like, the entire rest of his short and miserable life being pissed off that they didn't pass the League of Nations, that the United States wasn't a part of it.
1: Like. And so when they were like, we're going to pass the League of Nations, like, no! Yeah. You didn't do it when I first did it! You didn't do it right! You what? didn't do it enough. Like
0: I don't know what the I don't know what the revisions were, they could have been bad, but not was, any worse than his shit. He was so embittered, and like obviously, eventually, sort of the League of Nations after World War II became something that the U.S. was involved in, and it's called the United Nations. And Donald Trump's gonna just explode it into the
1: stratosphere. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> I have to laugh. Or else you'd cry. Or else I'd cry. And then stab myself with this glass bottle.
0: Yep. Following Russia's October Revolution, many of the United, in the United States feared a communist revolution in the U.S. Fears over left-wing subversion combined with a patriotic national mood led to the outbreak of the so-called First Red Scare. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Attorney General A. Mitchell Palmer convinced the, again, totally out-of-his-mind personality change Woodrow Wilson to delay amnesty for those who had been convicted of wartime sedition and launched raids to suppress radical organizations.
1: Yup. Yup, that sounds great. That we're sounds like, we're, great. we're cool. mostly specific union members. like. Ugh. Yeah, no, it's like, hey, people who think we need better working conditions, fuck you, here's jail. Yep. Okay, so
0: throughout late 1919, Wilson's
1: inner circle concealed the severity of his health
0: issues, but by, like, early the next year, uh, his condition was publicly known, and people were uncomfortable, but mostly unwilling to do anything about it except not nominate him for a third term. He demanded that they put his name forth for nomination for a third term. It did not
1: work out for him. And so they like they had the nomination and they're like, Yeah, yeah, Woodrow, we're we're writing your name down as they pass it without yeah, writing his name down. Basically. It definitely did. I don't know how that happened. It's so weird. So, it's so weird how that
0: happened. Surprisingly, Wilson's health did not markedly improve after leaving office. What shocker. His left arm and leg were both paralyzed and he frequently suffered digestive tract issues. His health declined throughout January 1924, and he died February 3rd, 1924. He was buried in a sarcophagus in uh, the Washington National Cathedral and is the only president interred in the nation's capital.
1: In a sarcophagus.
0: In a, that was the word they used. Most people like, you know, mausoleum or <laughs> ca- or casket, or they just don't mention it like a sarcophagus
1: i don't know does he... it have his likeness on it i do like, like egyptian king i want to believe it does so in the interest of was he buried with his cat like how did this go certainly <laughs> was he buried with his wife because Ugh. you know that's one right but that also seems on brand for him where it's all like well you gave up your career for me just
0: give up your life jump on this pyre you know woodrow wilson was a cat guy yeah you know he was this yeah. was not a dog man.
1: I don't know. You know what? But I would argue maybe he's not an animal person. Like, with his... With or he has
0: a lizard. Oh, he's a lizard guy. He's a guy. lizard guy. He's a
1: lizard guy. And I don't mean that like, a reptilians or running the government sort of way. I mean, he liked lizards. He liked lizards. Like, he was into, like, weird exotic pets. And, like, really... Like, when people came over, he would, like, definitely be like, hey, come see my lizards. And everyone's like, no. No. And he would show them anyway. He's like, yeah, I also have this collection of scorpions. I'm like, "Mm, great. (laughs) Where'd this one go? Uh, (laughs) Like, uh, Uh. Don't you want to see me feed them? No. No. I just want you to sign this treaty and let me leave.
0: Tommy, stop. (laughs) Tommy, stop. So, in the interest of not hurling yourself headlong out of a window, here's some self-care tips. Donate... Please to the NAACP to make up for what you've just heard.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Buy a pizza for your friend who's in art school
1: and convince her to dump that boyfriend. Dump him? Just dump that motherfucking that whole man, just toss him into the dumpster. Yep. Dump the whole man. Does this spark joy? Nope. No. Then toss it! <laughs> <laughs>
0: And donate or volunteer with your local branch of the ACLU. They do good work. They, they do, do good work
1: protecting rights and stuff.
0: Most of the time.
1: Hey, man. I'm almost rights all Rights and stuff are very important. And, you know, not the poor responsibility of the white master, the burden yeah. of taking care of his slaves. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, my, my face hurts from saying that. My, I mean, my body my soul rejects hurts. it.
1: Yeah, my soul hurts from hearing that. So I'm glad we're on the same physiochemical Yeah, I'm sorry, level with
0: everybody. That. But that's going to be all for us <laughs> this week, folks.
1: Oh, goodness. If you like what you've just heard, and I'm not sure why you would, but if you like us anyway, you should check us out on thisfnguypod.com or on Twitter at thisfngypod.com. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on Anchor, and someday, somewhere, sometime, we will be on Apple Podcasts. Call us Apple. Call us. We'll pick up. We promise. <laughs> also, donate to not the Patreon that does not exist. God damn it. Yeah, not that that not that thing.
0: As always, I'm Ginger Golub.
1: I'm Ren Martinez.
0: Here's a bonus self-care tip. Use the bread slicer at your local grocery store. It's easier than cutting a loaf at home if you're not buying pre-sliced bread. Huh.
1: I did not know that. Just ask them. They'll do it. Hmm. They're nice. Also, don't be, uh, don't be this fucking guy. Don't do it. Peace. This fucking guy.